It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now your host, Mark Bishop. And welcome everybody to another Tucson Means Business, proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club on Tanker Verde Road, the hidden jewel of the desert here in Tucson, Arizona. Wherever you may be hearing this particular message, if you're coming to Tucson, look up the club. Things are uh, tough at the moment, like everywhere, but uh, open for golf, big time, and still you can uh, go to the restaurant as well. Just all of the restrictions do apply. Masks and so on and distancing, okay? Uh, Otherwise, uh, not a problem. So, Jamie Anderson is my guest. He's the CEO of the Golden Years Project. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you. I have you on the show because of the wonderful work you're doing for others, Jamie, with the Golden Years Project. Uh, You were born, actually, into an extremely poor family of six uh, back in Norwich, Connecticut, and you were the baby, right? That's correct. I was just a a little tyke in Norwich, Connecticut, and I don't have much memory of that that era of my life because I was too young, (laughs) but... uh, well, you ended up getting raised in Pasadena in Houston, Texas. And this is from, what, six years old until you were 14? Yeah. Uh, and then your parents divorced uh, when you were eight, and you returned to Massachusetts with your mom and your other siblings because uh, she had custody of you. And uh, you wanted to be closer, uh, you know, to your mother in her golden years, as do a lot of, uh, uh, you know, boys and girls out there, whether they're 18, 16, or 32, what can you recall about those times, Jamie? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, the the <laughs> going back to the poverty uh, end of the, end of things. Just I re- you remember they used to have these uh, paper food stamp dollars, mm-hmm. and uh, we used we were so poor that in order to get a little gas money, we had to. My mom would send us kids into the store and buy like little penny candies and uh, get the change back so she could put four, three, four or five dollars of gas in and, and get wherever it was we needed to go to the store or to the doctor to whatever we needed to do. Well, you know, there's a reason why uh, you're doing what you're doing now, which we're going to get into soon. But uh, it's interesting with people's backgrounds or their upbringings, how sometimes it can set the road for future life. Uh, let's firstly, though, talk about your military life, please, if you would. Well, I joined the military when I was 17. Actually, uh, I dropped out of high school and and, uh, went into the military at 17 in my junior year. And uh, thank God the the military, well, the the National Guard had a program that you could further your education, you know, once you were in, Mm -hmm. but once you were government property. (laughs) And uh, Good thing, really, you know. Yeah, you know, the military was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. It, it taught me that the world did not revolve around me. Mm-hmm. And the discipline, uh, I mean, it showed me that I could do things I had no idea that I was capable of doing. And that was, I mean, that was so beneficial because once I got out of the military, it, you know, my whole line of thinking was different. It's like if I if I wanted something, if I wanted to to accomplish something, I knew that there was nothing stopping me from doing it. All I had to do was do it. 
So the military taught you that and a lot of other stuff as well. I mean, three years active duty, five years inactive for a total of eight years. And uh, you had an honourable discharge. The occupational specialty was what they called a 39E. Now, that's a <laughs> special electronics devices repairman. Did you know anything about that world before you went in? No. I, I selected that because I scored pretty high on my ASVAB test, which is the entrance uh, entrance exam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was in communications. It was top secret. And I... Uh, I wanted to to choose a career that I thought there was going to be uh, a lot of work in the civilian world when I got out. I was wrong. (laughs) Well, what did you glean from the military experience? Well, well, we, we worked on, uh, on the uh, Patriot missile uh, wiring harnesses. We did everything from pop-up targets and and if it was electronic or communicate, we, we did the night vision equipment. So basically my job was to to go behind enemy lines, pick up equipment that was that needed repair, bring it back to our uh, little work workroom depots and and warehouse type things, really tents mm-hmm. and get them repaired and and then bring them back out to the field where the soldiers needed them. So um, you got a bit of a nickname, right? What, what did your friends used to call you? Oh yeah, my friends. There's something else. Uh, they used to call me MacGyver because they told me I could take a, a piece of bubble gum and a and a paper clip and make a bomb out of it. <laughs> They're just teasing me. Yeah. Well, well, you went into life insurance after the military. Um, big difference. Why? Well, I just I lived in San Antonio at this at this particular time, and and uh, I was. Looking for a new career. Actually, I didn't even know what I was applying for. There was just this little ad in the paper that said, uh, I work hard and I get paid well. If, if that sounds like you, call me. And I said, okay, well, it sounds like me. Let's do it. So I called him and, <laughs> and so I called the guy and his name was Gerald Brown. He turned out to be a, a very good influence in my life. And him and his family, uh, he had a, it was Brown's agency and was the name of his agency, but we, we were exclusive writers for American Income Life Insurance Company out of Waco, Texas. So you, never know, uh, you never know in life what, uh, what road is going to lead you down next for what reason, right? No, uh, you don't. Well, nine years, nine years in the insurance company, you learned administration, marketing, uh, accounting, advertising, all of those uh, disciplines. I mean, did you enjoy those times? I did, you know, I, I, uh, I loved the freedom of being self-employed and I hated my actual job, I don't know if, <laughs> if that makes any sense, because the selling part of it, you know, that I hated that, but every Friday I was on my paycheck and was like, oh, well, maybe I'll stick around for another week and then nine years later. <laughs> Everybody hates sales, my friend, and yet the funny thing is the world stops dead if there isn't one. You know, That's no correct. sales, no action, no nothing, ships leaving ports, uh, stock in shelves, God knows what. There is nothing. So sales are important, but, you know, for a lot, it's not a chosen career. It, it, it's, well, a, I, it's a hard career to do, you know. Yeah, I, I actually, that, that ended up being 
another tremendous experience in my life that because with it, it, it's it's weird how you the Lord walks you down paths and you know it's, it's like you're, you're having this experience or my military experience that gave me some discipline and then mm-hmm. I ended up in the insurance business that gave me these different um, disciplines yeah that we talked about before yeah all, yes. your, all your management mm-hmm. stuff that you needed for uh, for what you're doing now in helping thousands of others um, you, but your, your mom wanted to relocate now right during this particular period yeah she she uh, wanted well she wanted me she wanted to live near me and I, I she was still living up in Massachusetts at the time and I I told her that I loved her but I, I probably wasn't coming back there <laughs> Except during the summertime, uh, it's not an area I like to be in in the winter. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, well, six month long winters, I don't mind a week for vacation or something. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm a, I'm just a southern boy at heart. Yeah. And uh, so I told her if she ever moved south, wherever she wanted to to go, I would live with her. Funny about or, that. or live near her. So many people from around America. Uh want to be over here don't they in arizona god knows what because the weather as they get older uh but a lot of you know a lot of people got it all wrong they just think we're just brown they they don't see the beauty or don't understand the beauty of desert we still have trees and god knows what but mate i couldn't live in that uh, black snow black ice roads and uh, you know snow all the time either now you did start a new thing when you relocated she wanted to relocate back to arizona you started um anderson capital leasing right this was your own baby uh, which was a commercial equipment. Tell us about that. Well, prior to my mother returning to Arizona, I was working as a, uh, for a broker doing commercial equipment leasing where I would uh, reach out to commercial equipment uh, vendors, people that sold, you know, bulldozers and mm-hmm. tractor trailers and things like that. And as companies needed to purchase more equipment than um, they would send us applications and we would basically do the credit behind it and get the, get the deals funded. Right. Right. And so, so it was a commercial equipment leasing brokerage type thing, right? Like, yes, that's exactly okay. what it was. Well, you did very and, well and you built that up until 2008, right? Here's another good Lord, uh, he puts in front of everybody, <laughs> the economy, boom, then everything goes down. This would have been an enormous testing time for you. Yeah, that that was uh, well, especially because I knew about the business disciplines that we spoke about before, and and but you know business was smooth, and then when that economic crisis came in, I, I didn't really understand the economy, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't understand why business was falling, and well, I I started to understand why because you know the the diesel fuel went up to five dollars a gallon, and <laughs> and yeah. mo- my. Yeah, my customers were were mostly tractor trailer uh, owner operators and right and uh, you know maybe companies that had center fifteen rigs, but uh, that was a very trying time. I ended up losing my house in a foreclosure. Mm-hmm. Actually, two houses. I I downsized. We had a, we had a house and then another little townhouse here in Tucson, and and uh, I thought I downsized enough, and just when I downsized. The economy got even worse. Well, you know, you fought your way through that crisis, but the stress involved, uh, I think, during those years caused you, uh, you know, to look at making a career change. 
Uh, and of all things, you entered into the affordable housing property management industry, ended up staying I, there for 10 years, right? I did. I did. That's what I've been doing right up until now. Right. Until the, last the Golden years. Years Project. Well, yeah. this is where, folks, it leads to affordable housing for seniors. Now, I don't know if you read the magazines lately, newspapers, stay up to date, whatever, but you're going to share some stats with us anyway. Um, I'd like you to do that, Jamie, but... The Golden Years Project is what you're all about. It's a marvelous project. That's why I wanted to interview you. I think it's, I think it's terrific what you're doing to people. But I tell you what, it's scary because, well, baby boomers, time moves on, and you know what? What's going to happen now when the floodgates open? Well, that's that's the uh, that's the question. That's uh, the sixty-four thousand dollars question. It's interesting. Uh, you know, it's interesting how you were led to this current project, don't you think? I think so. Uh, you know, there was actually a moment that came when it just kind of hit me, kind of slapped me in the face and said, wow, Jamie, everything that you went through in life prepared you for this specific task, this moment. And I'll never forget that. And how did it come about? I'd like you to tell the story. I know you were in attendance at a, you know, National Church Residences uh, National Conference, you know, for the management staff of the industry you were in. And this was back in 2018 uh, for Phoenix listeners and so on in Arizona back in October. And you first learned of an up-and-coming and unavoidable housing crisis. So what happened? How, what, how did it hit you? How did you get this message that you needed to do something? Well, well, that was actually very uh, interesting. It was almost kind of like something you'd see in a movie where, where the, you know, the, our vice president, Mark Ricketts, or maybe president Mark Ricketts was speaking and, and uh, the room just like all the hair on my body stood up and the room started to, in the uh, entertainment world, fade to black, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then I just, I just kind of felt like I was alone in the room and I just, I had this overwhelming emotional sensation of just saying, Jamie, you, you, you know, and as I was looking up, it was like, Jamie, you got to do something. And I said, okay, what? <laughs> I don't know where to go, what to start, where to start. Yeah. What do you want me and, to do? And this is, this yeah. is the Lord speaking to you, correct? Yes. Okay. Millions of older adults would be at high risk of becoming homeless. And ah, are indeed at a high risk of becoming homeless in the United States of America. So this moved you to do something. Uh, it, you, wit you witnessed, you know, many different struggles and challenges that the senior population has had on a daily basis. Uh, I'm talking about overall health, mobility issues. And you knew from what I've read that, you know, this would be a major catastrophe, a hindrance on the quality of their life and a shortening, in fact, of their life expectancy. Then it hit you as the guest speaker and the room silenced and so on, and you thought, all right, I've been given uh, something to do. Uh, I, I, I don't know where to start, what to do, how to do it, God knows what, but he knows. <laughs> he always knows. He knows. So you started, You once you settled down and, you know, you came down to earth, you, you started the Golden Years Project. And the Golden Years Project, folks, was founded three months later from this experience on January the 16th, 2019. And here we are today. Now, we hear a lot about the silver tsunami. What is the silver tsunami, Jamie? Well, 
So Silver Tsunami is uh, it's basically a major or massive wave of older adults that are retiring uh, that is set to double our population from 45, our senior population from 45 to 90 million people over the next five years. Oh, five years only? Yes. My word. So you know, our senior services infrastructure is, is not capable of handling this type of influx. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's affecting affordable housing. It's affecting home health. It's it just help, uh, affecting all of the senior services across the board, mm-hmm. but mostly in affordable housing. That's where it all starts. Because if you, if you have a place that you can live, you can always get the other services eventually. Uh, but when you, you know, if you're 62 years old and, uh, and you end up homeless because you're on a waiting list, a, f- a five-year wait list to, you know, gain entrance into a community, uh, affordable housing senior community, then your life expectancy just drops to about a year maybe a year and a half if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And cause we're talking about seniors. that's never been homeless before and a chronically mm-hmm. homeless male. So someone that's, you know, chronically homeless and a male, they, their average life expectancy is to age 50. So take someone who's, you know, 65 or 70 or, and they're trying to get into an affordable housing situation, but they're on a five-year wait list or a three-year wait list. Mm-hmm. But we we don't have that kind of time. All right. They don't. They don't have that kind of time. And they deteriorate badly quickly too. Yes, and and so if they end up homeless, then that you know they've given pretty much had to give up everything they've they've owned, and they probably are living in their car. Actually, there's a lot of people living in their car. There's there's a home health company that we were working with and, uh, and the public relations person told me that, that they were seeing clients when they get out of the hospital, they were meeting them in Walmart parking lots just to change their wound dressings and from their surgeries and things like that because they didn't have homes. You know, <laughs> when I hear this sort of stuff, I, I just think how despicable it's been. You know, not this current president, the one before him and the one before him and the one before him. I don't care. Nonpartisan, how they could let the greatest country in the world, supposedly, get to this level. It's unbelievable. And and the thousands of vets, too, I bet, among that lot that fought for this country and other things. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the solution because we're talking with uh, Jamie Anderson. He's the president and CEO of the Golden Years Project. And you're hearing it here on Tucson Business Radio X uh, with Mark Bishop. And we're proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club, who do a lot for their community as well. And, in fact, I'd like you to listen to this message, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Tucson Means Business on Tucson Business Radio X right here, coming out of the Stuart Title Building on Broadway. And, of course, we're proudly sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club, a wonderful course and wonderful club here in Tucson. I have the Director of Memberships and Tournaments, Casey Polivjack. Casey, tournaments are a big thing for a golf club. 
Uh, absolutely. Um, we are a semi-private club, which means we have membership available, but we also are open to the public. Um, with being open to the public, we welcome um, nonprofit uh, tournaments, uh, fundraisers, um, we specialize in groups from 4 to 144. See, this is an important thing, isn't it, in the community. Uh, companies would love to do something for their staff, something that's different, but they don't want the course to be too hard, and they want it to be friendly. They want the service to be right and the atmosphere to make it a really fun day. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's what you strive to do, isn't it? It's part of your uh, whole job, really. I think that's what we, uh, we specialize in is the... How am I going to say this? The, the the tournament that's not looking at spending too much money because they're in it to make money for their for their charity. Right. So we offer really good uh, facilities, uh, a great golf course. Um, but I'm going to be honest, it's not the best golf course in Tucson. It's not the nicest facilities, but everything is good out there. And your guests are going to have a good experience because of the value that they're getting for uh, the cost of the tournament. There you go. That's an important factor. It's all very well, you know, wanting to have a great day out for everybody, but if it breaks the bank, then it defeats the whole purpose. Absolutely. And if you're trying to raise funds, which is an integral part, because Tucson seems to be a wonderful place for raising funds, there's so many people who support so many wonderful causes. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of, uh, you know, great causes out there. And, you know, people get, they kind of come to a, a fork in the road. And, um, you know, you got school sponsorships that, uh, you know, booster clubs. Um, there's so many uh, fundraising uh, facility or uh, possibilities out there that uh, we really have specialized in golf tournaments for people and helping them maximize the amount of money they can make. Mm -hmm. um, I've put together a, a brochure to help people that have never uh, run a golf tournament that will kind of take them from step one until the you know the day of the event that's so. very very good if people uh, from somewhere now maybe they're moving into tucson with a new business new company whatever how can they get hold of you directly uh you know they can call me directly at 520-749-4925 uh extensions 212 but we recommend you go to the the website uh, it's a great way to, uh, you know, get information about the club on uh, not only golf tournaments, but membership. That website is 49ercc.com, F-O-R-T-Y-N-I-N-E-R-C-C.com. There you go. Casey Belifchak, he's the director of memberships and tournaments. He's the fellow to speak to. Now back to the show. So I'm talking with Jamie Anderson, who is the president and CEO of the Golden Years Project. Lovely project. And it's going to be up on the site. You're going to be able to read about it, see a photo of Jamie, have phone numbers, contacts. Perhaps you've got parents. Perhaps you've got somebody. Perhaps you know somebody you want to help, a neighbor, something like that. Uh, maybe you can help. It's more important. What is the solution? What role will the Golden Years Project play, Jamie? Well, <clears throat> when you when you have uh, this many people coming into this uh, sector, uh, all at once, uh, th there's two things. One, we just we need more affordable housing units, which we cannot build fast enough. And secondly, uh, we need to provide some financial interim relief or interim financial relief so that you know people that are on these waiting lists, you know if they're if they become high high risk, which means they're starting to get, you know, eviction letters, foreclosure notices, then we can, they can apply for our program. 
and we can get them approved and send them a, a monthly stipend uh, until they come up on the wait list, okay. uh, which they'll have to, you know, they'll have to renew that every year. The program will work just like the Section 8 program on the same criteria. So is the GYP's program intended to be national or, or just local? Well, it, it is intended to be national. We have to, we have to roll it out a little smaller on a, a little smaller in a smaller community first, like say Tucson, because that will allow us to identify and repair any kinks in the clockwork, should we say? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that, you know, once we once we get everything streamlined, then you know the process is still the same. We'll, we'll just be able to take applications nationally it's it's meant to be a completely virtual organization so that anybody can apply through the website and 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 start receiving help yeah now now that brings up a question to me though right we're talking about seniors here mate i mean a lot of them think the internet and, and computers and all that created by the devil I mean, uh, no, seriously, it's for them, it's scary stuff. And furthermore, they don't know what to do. How do they get on if it's just a, you know, a virtual uh, scenario? How, how are you going to handle that? Well, so we are partnering with affordable housing communities and different community par- partnerships that will be able to uh, that act as a service coordinator. And if they need assistance, you know, either their kid can help them fill it out. I mean, you'll be, you'll be able to, they'll be able to do it from their phone. Okay. Uh, or, or laptop, their kids or brothers or somebody can assist them or they'll be able to, Maybe their or they'll grandchildren. be able to, mm. yeah, or their grandchild or, but, but they, they can also, so most people will find out about the golden years project. If they, go get on a waiting list at XYZ property and, mm-hmm. and they talk to them about us. If, if they need assistance right away, then there'll be a service coordinator that they can turn to that will help them be able to do that. I, I know, you know, you have this incredible experience and you really believed that the Lord spoke to you. And that's why that's how it started, the GYP. But what was your motivation to start this organization? Because, you know, it's not easy, my friend. There are so many not-for-profits all vying for a piece of the pie and support and help out there. I mean, I think there's 3,500 in Tucson alone. Never mind a phoenix. The cause, well, the cause is amazing. The cause is good. But you must have known what you'd be up against. I mean, you, what are you, a 5013C? Yes. Okay. Um, whom do you – I mean, you've just started rolling it out now with the program to the public and so on. Have you had good sponsors to start with? Oh, so, no, we, we haven't rolled out the, the stipend program yet. We're trying to get that part funded. Oh, okay. But, All right. Yeah, we, we need to raise – uh, hundred and fifty-five million dollars. Is that all? <laughs> That's oh, all. I'll write your check. Come on down. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my friend, my friend, my friend. I tell you what, you need somebody to. You know what? I was listening to an interview uh, the other day, and uh-huh. America's five top billionaires 
have profited so much through this COVID-19. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve it. I'm not saying that uh, they haven't worked hard. The corporations have provided jobs, this, this, whatever. The fact of the matter is they've made so much extra money. It's, it's just, it's ridiculous. Let's say that the, the extra money that they've made, right, uh, is more than, say, 60% of the average workforce of America. Wow. Now, don't you think that'd be good if a bit of that just got 10% off the top or 5% off the top from each of them? for the right causes. And yet there are terrific causes that a lot of them are involved with that they do support and do. But here, what's going to be your toughest battle? What have advisors told you? What have people, without being negative, what's been, what do you think are going to be the hardest challenges? Mate, you, you need enormous money. And there are yes. so many millions of Americans who potentially are going to be, you know, suitable for this program. I think that, uh, well, first of all, I know that when God, this is God's plan, this is God's mission, it's not mine. He just tapped me on the shoulder to lead it. And and who knows, he, he may just want me to start it. And eventually, once once we get a larger board, uh, we're, we're still building out some board, additional board members. Uh, but, you know, one day, years from now, this organization will exist and, and I won't be here. Uh, well, I kind of got off on a tangent. Forgot what you asked me. <laughs> well, it's going. You're just going to need support. You're going to need the right people to step in early in a few breaks. And as you say, you're just at. Uh, you're just the you know steering the wheel, so to speak. God has given you the course, so I'm pretty sure you're yeah, not going to be left out in the cold. Let's put it that way. All right. No, absolutely not. Um, I mean, we have a plan. I mean, we're you know, the Lord has shown me visions of of how how this organization was going to be funded and he didn't show me in detail but it starts with every community this this crisis even though it's a national crisis it only becomes a national crisis because it's a local community crisis everywhere mm-hmm. and so you know he's shown me that that working with community partners such as credit unions and energy companies, like utility companies, mm-hmm. and, and we're reaching out to all of them. You've got to get it known, too. You know, you've got yes. to get it known. And I, I'm glad that I could have helped a little bit with this, you know, and, and, and I'd be there for you. But, of course, you do realize that uh, radio and television stations, both in the two cities, both in Phoenix and in Tucson, uh, by law have to uh, give you X amount of time that you, you know, that you can ask for to help promote this cause. I did not know that. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, they my word. Otherwise, they do their license, my friend. So uh, see another Jesus appointment right there. <laughs> well, they're all battling. They're all battling, but they've got to do X amount of public service announcements, and uh, the right ones do the right thing. There's no harm in asking, and you can get a crack at that, and that goes for print and everything else. So I'm the first to do something with you, and I volunteered because I believe in your cause, and mine's a podcast. It has global reach. Um, I get letters from around the world. It's quite amazing, actually. It's only based on being online, so it's it's quite weird. But anyway, um, where are you right now with rolling out GYP's program to the public? What stage are you at? We are at the stage where we need some additional funding to to get the the electronic, the digital integration 
with the website and the and the actual the plan, not the plan, the program with the with the guidelines. If their adjusted gross income is X amount of dollars and they qualify for this amount, we need to get that part ironed out and make sure that that we're not uh, there's nothing discriminatory in there. Uh, you know, get all the legal kinks worked out to make sure that mm-hmm. that we're you know treating everybody fairly and all of your uh, ducks in a row, right? Well, yeah, your eyes just... dotted and the good old T's crossed. <laughs> you need some support from very good people in the community in their legal aspects and in the media aspects to donate their time and services to you. That's what you need, and I'll help you a little more with that. Now, the general public, how can people? get involved how how can they help now do you think and i know your site's not up for them to donate but what else can they do well right now the only thing that they can do is go to goldenyearsproject.org and uh you know go go to the donate page and and a recurring monthly donation of 10 to 15 dollars a month is ideal it's uh, small amounts like that over large amounts of numbers does miracles and uh, it doesn't hurt us. It doesn't hurt anybody else, but it helps so many others. So there'll be members, and, there'll be foundation yeah. members and early members and yeah. uh, you'll be keeping them up to date. No, uh, no doubt with a newsletter of oh, sorts oh, that type of thing. Y- yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, and, so uh, the current URL then is goldenyearsproject.org, right? Yes. Project, all one word, dot org, and that's where uh, listeners you can go to and read more and study and so on. Um, how much does your your company need to raise? Do you think? Well, we we need to uh, raise one hundred and fifty five million to to secure our our first three years with the program, and that is which is about ten million the first year. Forty-four million the second year, and a hundred and ten million on by the third year. And what that does is it allows us to to help around a thousand. You know, the goal is to help around a thousand people with a, a monthly stipend during the uh, first year. Mm-hmm. And then once all the kinks are worked out, and as we roll out to the uh, on a national level, then we can add. You know, we hit our marks, then we can we can help five thousand people across the country, and then in our second year, so we'll we'll be up to about six thousand two hundred and fifty people, and then when we roll, you know, go into our third year, we'll be able to add another five thousand. Wow. Now, of course, those those are projections. We 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 don't know what the Lord's going to do. The Lord the Lord bless us with a billion dollars. We'll be able to help a lot more people. It sounds like an astronomical amount of money for so few, and yet we talked about uh, the numbers in five years alone. Um, the you know, maturing Americans who could be in trouble that fit this particular project, the Golden Years Project, uh, and we're only talking six thousand there. So it just goes to give you an idea. But what I want to know is this: What's the percentage of corporate overhead and staffing versus the funding going to the cause? Because this is a pet hate of mine, I got to tell you, and I don't think you and what you're trying to do uh, are the sort of people that are going to fit, you know, the bad boys. But you know, there are a few of them out there, because people get fed up with with giving and working hard, uh, and, and for all the right reasons, to the wrong people. 
Well, yeah. Who wants to? If, I mean, if you're giving your money because the, the Lord puts it in your heart to uh, to help out a cause, and then you find out it's just paying somebody's salary, uh, and and very little of it's going to help the the person in need, then it's it's very disappointing. Mm. So, uh, in our case, our first year is set at, or at least the projections and the budget we have set forth is uh, 85% to the cause and 15% overhead. The second year, however, even, and this, this is pretty amazing, even though we, we double our staffing in our second year, because we're going to need more people to process these applications, these additional 5,000 people coming in. And as we grow, you know, contractors, et cetera, that, <coughs> excuse me, uh, that our, our actual percentage will drop down to about 10% on the mm-hmm. second year of, well, the, it's, the, it's easy math. Why? And it's just because we're helping more people. So there's, you know, we're, we're bringing in more money. So sure. there's more, there's more money going out to the, to the people that need it. And we already, you know, well, we're only going to have to add, uh, you know, double our staffing, which isn't very much. Well, you should be able to get a lot of volunteers too, but how are you keeping the overhead percentages so low? Well, we're not, uh, you know, we're not buying <clears throat> office buildings in every state or renting them and, and. Uh, okay. So no bricks so, and mortar. This was the whole virtual <laughs> idea, is it? That's correct, and that, that's why we're able to keep it so low. How has COVID-19, what, what effect has it had on the organization? What sort of challenges? Well, affecting me personally, it's slowing me down. <laughs> but um, but, but you, mainly... But you don't have COVID-19, do you? Yes, I do. Oh, you do? I didn't realize <laughs> that. I thought you were down with asthma. Well, when I have acute asthma, and whenever you have a any kind of respiratory, even a sinus infection or whatnot. Yeah, tell me Then that. any, any post-nasal drip that goes down into your uh, lungs or whatever, mm-hmm. and then it creates asthma attacks. And can, the doctor I, said it was... Yeah. A, I can relate to you, it. You know, I, I have a touch of COPD. I had a test yesterday. It's my third COVID-19 test and uh, came back negative, uh, which is great, but... Um, you know, I'm very wary because of that reason. I used to be a smoker, but I quit 30 years ago. But uh, a change of weather uh, in southern Arizona knocks a few people around. I've spoken to a few friends that go down the same way. Bad sinuses like I do. And the change of shrubs and certain times of the year really knocks you around. You do have to be super careful. But I'm I'm sorry about that for you, Jamie. I didn't realize it was the 19. How long now have you been infected? Well, when it started, it was... Uh on December the 12th, I, I started with a little runny nose and I was up in Boston visiting my family. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that it was just a change of weather, colder, drier air. I mean, the air's dry here, but yeah. you know, colder, drier air. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what it seemed like for a while, for the majority of the time. And then when I got back, then it started, uh, I started getting short of breath and, Mm-hmm. And uh, the other symptoms, the fevers and the chills, and everything else, and, yes, and whatnot. And so that's about fourteen days now, roughly. Yeah, roughly yeah. fourteen, fifteen. Okay, so so what's the next step? What do you do next? Uh, well, I, I just uh, keep going to bed and keep waking up, 
until it's gone. <laughs> Which is, I think we're about, I'm about maybe two or three more days before okay. I'll be out of the, I mean, I'm out of the woods now. I, I mean, I've got my taste and smell back and, uh, oh, good to hear. Good to yeah. Hear. Oh, yeah. well, mate, you know, <laughs> being as smarty as I am, I'm only the good day young anyway, so you don't have any problems. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jamie, you hold your exercise. Seriously. You've got a big project to do, man. You ain't going anywhere. You know oh, I man? know. I mean, you you got to get yourself yeah. together here. Get well, get fit. Come on. You've got a, you've got a big job here. So, how would you like, in closing, how would you like our listeners to connect with you? Uh, the best way is to uh, go to the website, goldenyearsproject.org, and there's a contact uh, contact us form that that is monitored daily, and someone will get back to you within 24 hours. And, what you know, one of the things that you had asked me is how can other people get involved uh, any, on our other side, because, you know, we mentioned that we're going to build more affordable housing units. So that means we have a, a development side of our organization. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so anybody that wants to, to jump on board with us and help us to develop properties, we're, we're willing to talk to them. So anybody that, that wants to invest in any uh, investments, uh, real estate investments, joint ventures, if you have land that's not doing anything, that's a, a, in a you know a decent area where when I say decent area I mean there's a hospital within five miles a grocery store within a mile or two um, these are the things that that HUD likes to see when when they're they're providing financing to you right, right. Um, so where they're building these senior facilities they want to make sure that there's medical services and and things that are around okay. All right. Well, I'll go through my files here as well with uh, some people I've interviewed over the last year might fit the bill. Uh, Big developers, uh, real estate and uh, successful people. They might want to be involved with this to help you. But otherwise, it's going to be up on the site on Tucson Business Radio X permanently. Uh, I'll send you the link. By all means, get it out there into social media and uh, email it out to people. Uh, People like to hear what's going on, what the latest is. Keep them involved. Keep them top of mind. And uh, I know you're sick, but um, uh, just, you know, 2121 is coming up and it's going to be better for everybody, my friend. So, listen, it's been wonderful, mate. I wish you all the luck in the world and more than luck. I mean, Godspeed with this one. Jamie Anderson is the president and CEO. The Golden Years Project is what it's called. You're going to hear a lot more about it. I mean, well, just, just before we go, what were those numbers again? Five years from now, how many seniors do you think in America or it's showing projected are going to be or could be in trouble? Oh, that could be in trouble is is approximately twelve point six seven two million. That's that, that's the amount of uh, people that could be at high risk. <sighs> you know, uh, I I just feel so sad about that. I mean, I mean, they built this country. You know, if we have some time, I'd like to to give you some statistics. So. Uh, out of these 90 million seniors, mm-hmm. 64% are only going to have Social Security to live on. And yeah, yeah, and that good. average income is going to be about $1,294 per month. Uh, as you know, you can't live anywhere for that much. Uh, and so yeah, uh, yeah, the, good, yeah. the good news, though, is that out of those 64%, which is 57.6 million, 78% 
of those people will already own their own homes or have planned their retirements in such a way that they're that they will be able to continue to afford making you know their mortgage payments, et cetera. They'll have they may have planned a little bit better than the others, but that still leaves twelve point almost twelve point seven million people across our country in jeopardy. Well, now you know why, folks. The Golden Years Project dot org. Now you know why. The Golden Years Project dot org, headed by Jamie Anderson. Uh, he's based in Phoenix, but um, there's a link down here with Tucson. And uh, Jamie, it's been lovely speaking with you. We'll follow up on this down the track a little, and I'll do anything I can to help you. Just let me know, okay? Well, thank you so much, Mark. Take care and God bless, mate. God bless you.